Uh, and I want to say also to all those graduating from high school, college, congratulations. We're proud of you. Last fall, Bay Community began a Bay Community School of Leadership. These are for kids who believe they're called into ministry. And it's an accredited school. It's two years, first year application, second year invitation. And so we, we've completed our first year. Their Bible courses are through Lagos International, and we're very proud of them. I want to just let me introduce to you our students that are finishing, graduating their first year, Haley Jones, Kayla McCary, Chris Dungeon. These guys have completed. They'll be back this fall for the second year. Can we give them a big hand? Yeah. This fall we'll have, uh, you know, despite small beginnings, this, this fall we'll have 12 students, and we're, we're going to have our first international student. One of the young men from a Honduras campus uh, will be coming, and if you would like to be part of that sponsorship or if you'd like to house or help house or something, an international student, you know, if you'll talk with our director, Matt Denton, he, he can give you the information for that. Also this summer, uh, you know, maybe your kids are out of the house, but... Uh, a lot of people have kids, some have many kids, and kids' camps are coming up, youth camps. So if you'd like to sponsor a child, we, I know we have children, we have youth that cannot go without a sponsorship. Uh, and I've been wondering why I haven't had any takers, but I have been saying it's 325 350 It's actually 225 and 250 so that's why I'm $100 off. So if you'd like to sponsor one, my wife and I, we sponsor one every year, and we'd encourage you to do so, and you can check with our youth pastors or children's pastors to do that. Let me give you an update on the building at the Malbus campus. We're building a worship center that will seat 1,400. And uh, we, they're still telling us we'll be in there by Christmas. What's taking place now is they will actually be finishing the roof system. And then in a couple of weeks, they'll begin pouring concrete, which is a two- or three-week process. So hopefully by the end of next month, we'll have it dried in and we'll get going. Uh, and thank you for your participation in that, your giving well, and, and it, it is taking place. It's just it's construction, so sometimes it's a little slower. Thank you for your patience in parking. Thank you and your patience for getting out of the facility at Malvis, how crowded it is. But uh, all of that's going to change hopefully by the end of the year, right? Okay. Four of you ex- are excited, and the rest of you are not sure. If you have your Bibles or device, you can turn to John chapter 2. We're in a series where we're talking about people in the Bible, who had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. You know, there's the first time of an encounter, hopefully you've all had that, where you meet Jesus, and then you realize he's more than just a good man, but that he is the Son of God, he's the Messiah, and he becomes your Lord and Savior. And then there are those ongoing encounters, relationships with him, and in those encounters with him, as as you're going through life, he changes our lives, he helps us. This weekend, I want to talk about Mary's story. Mary, the mother of Jesus, because I think she probably had the most face-to-face encounters of anyone on the earth. I believe she had the first face-to-face encounter of anyone on the earth giving birth to Jesus. And I believe that she's one of the last to have a face-to-face encounter while he's on the cross. Now, I want to show you something about the first miracle that's recorded that Jesus did in John 2. And I want you to see how Mary is involved with this and see her part. So in John 2, verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to, them, we, said to him, They have no wine. 
Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, The servants, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that it was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to the bridegroom, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. So this is the first miracle, and Mary's part of it. Most theologians believe that the bridegroom is John, the apostle, the disciple John. And, and remember, he doesn't refer to himself as John. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's why with John, it, it's, he, the invitation of the disciples is very obvious that he's here. Why they're there is because he's the disciple. Jesus, the ministry is just getting started. And we know that his mother, Salome, and, and Jesus' mother, Mary, were sisters. And so Mary's invited. She's family. Jesus is invited. He's family. And, and so, you know, that's why they're all in this wedding, at this wedding. It says on the third day, let me tell you what that means. In those days, when a couple got married, they didn't go get on a cruise ship or get on an airplane and fly away, okay? That's the bad deal. Uh, they didn't get to leave town. So they actually had to stay in town for the next seven days, some eight days, typically seven. They were treated like a king and queen for those seven days with relatives and family members and friends come from all over. They stay there for a week, and, and they rejoice, and they celebrate. It's like a seven-day reception that's going on. So on the third day, they ran out of wine, and so there's four more days of this going on, and, and, and this is a critical point for them. It's like right in the middle of this, there's no wine. So we're talking about Mary having encounters with Jesus. Here's my question. Why did she go tell Jesus they have no wine? Why did she say, and, and, and she does it just like a mother. I, I can just see her saying they have no wine and just walking off, just, just like a mother would. But, and you, you have to understand, ladies, the guys get this a little bit, I think. You, you know, when women say something, they really mean something else. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And we, men, men, don't leave me alone here. <clears throat> Why don't you just tell us what you mean? You, you guys aren't brave at all. <laughs> you leave a pair of pants hanging on the door to the bedroom, and your wife goes by, and, and, and she'll, she won't say, will you put those up? She'll say, are those yours? <laughs> right? Now, if they're not, I've got questions. <laughs> but they don't say what they mean. Right, guys? Right. <clears throat> and the guys in here are chickens. <clears throat> she didn't say, hey, I want you to do something about it. They're out of wine. She just says, they have no wine. Now, watch this verse, verse 11. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. It doesn't say it's his first miracle it says it's the beginning of signs. What do signs mean? Signs tell us that he is the Messiah. This is the first sign for people to start thinking and recognizing he is the Messiah. 
<clears throat> so to me, I think that probably there have been some miracles in the past. And if you don't know this, I was a children's pastor for 20 years, so sometimes some of that comes out. And it's just the way I see things and the way I think about things. And so, you know, it says it's the first sign, so I think there's probably some miracles somewhere. And, and, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to start a new doctrine or anything, but I just wonder why she came to Jesus and said, uh, they have no wine. I just wonder if some strange things happened around Mary and Joseph's house when Jesus was growing up. You've raised kids. Did some strange things happen around your house? And your kids were not even God, were they? <clears throat> some thought they were, but he, this is the son of God. I mean, I can just see them at the family reunion at the Sea of Galilee at a picnic. And Mary calls out, Jesus, come here. And he comes over and she said, you need to get down in the water and swim like the rest of them. This section right here, it just went right over their head. <clears throat> He's walking on water. Get off the water, get in. Okay. <laughs> I just wonder, like every other family, you know, we, we grew up, we had a family pet for years, and I remember her name, I remember when she died, and all that stuff. And I just remember if they didn't have a family dog, and it was hit by a chariot and killed, and it's on the side of the road, and here come the brothers and sisters, and they're crying, and I think, Mary looked at Jesus with that look, like, do something. And, 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 and he, Mom, it's, it's not my time. I'm, I'm just a teenager. I, 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 look at your brothers and sisters. Their hearts are broken. Their pet spot is dead. I mean, you've you got to do something about this. You've got to raise the dog. Jesus says, okay, okay, okay. Let, he's the oldest, remember. He's the eldest brother. Let, let me get in. Let, let me look and let me see. Oh, look. He's just sleeping. He's just been knocked out. I mean, that's what he said to people he raised from the dead. Oh, they're just sleeping. I, I wonder if when he was in high school, he's doing his homework one afternoon, and Mary says, uh, Jesus, I need you to run to the store. I'm out of flour. Mom, I'm finishing the report. It's due tomorrow. I, don't, I, I, I Let somebody else do it. Jesus, I need you to do this right now. It's for dinner. I can't finish dinner if you don't do this right now. And, and okay, Mom. Hey, Mom. Why don't you look in the pantry one more time? <laughs> I know it sounds strange, but this is the Son of God. I, I'm just saying, why did she come to Jesus? If she hadn't seen some things before, why did she come to Jesus and say they have no wine? So she does this. Notice, here's Jesus. Here are the servants. This is going to be an embarrassment to our family. She's part of the family, and, and, and they're going to be sent home on the third day, and they have no wine, and he says, Mom, it's not my time. And here's what she does. Just like a mom... She refuses to take no for an answer. Have you ever noticed that about moms? They just refuse to take no for an answer. I don't, I don't know how they do it, but they do it. And so did she. So here's what I'm saying. He's stuck. The son of God's stuck. Jesus is stuck. It's honor your father and your mother. He, 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 he can't do anything. So, so whatever he says, do it. I mean, he, he has to. And, and listen, that statement is such a simple statement, but it's the most profound key to every miracle in your life. Whatever he says, do it. Need a miracle in your marriage? Need a miracle in relationship? You need a miracle in your finances? You need a miracle in your health? You need a miracle with your children? Listen to what the one who knew him the best on the earth, what Mary says. Whatever he says, do it. It may sound crazy, but what he says, do it. Now, 
from this passage, I want to show you some things about obedience because that's the key is obedience. So I want to show you three things about, and see, obedience is just one of those things. You know, raising kids, it's one of those things that you're constantly teaching. And you con- even as adults, then, we have to be obedient. So let's talk about obedience. Number one, obedience is measurable. They filled the pots to the brim. They got back as much wine as they put water in. Had they half filled those pots, they would have had half as much wine. They would have had half of what they had the capacity to have. What's your capacity? So they filled the pots and with water, and they, they come back filled with wine. In, in Luke 6 and Matthew 7, Jesus says, Whatever measure you use when you give is the measure God uses when he gives back to you. So they filled the water up. They got back just as much wine as they put in water. When you give, do you give as a teaspoon or do you give as a bucket? In other words, you determine how much the miracle is. You determine, and you see it's measurable. Obedience is measurable. You you tell your daughter to go clean her room, and you can go in there later, and you can tell if she spent three minutes or 30 minutes cleaning the room. You You tell your son... That you, you study for this test. You've got a big test tomorrow. And when you get the grade on the test, you'll be able to measure his obedience in studying. Obedience is measurable. Now watch this. This is what Jesus said. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So God doesn't decide how blessed you are. You do. Because you have a measure. God decides, no, I decide. Why? Because I have a measure. I have a measure. Are you a generous person? If you are, then you have a large measure. If you're cheap or greedy or if you're not a giver, then you don't have a large measure. So God doesn't decide we do. And Jesus said it's decided according to your standard of measure. According to your standard of measure, it's going to be measured back to you in return. So How generous are you with compliments? How generous are you with forgiveness? How generous are you with patience? How generous are you with tolerance? Because if I'm a patient with people, it's going to come back to me. Give. The context is give. Give what? Give anything. Give it. It is anything that you give will come back to you. Then he uses an agricultural term. Pressed down, shaken together, talking about a bushel basket full, and, and it's packed down, and I'm going to give it back to you, pressed down, overflowing. That's God's plan, but what's the condition? The condition is that you give. So if you're little-hearted, if you're cold-hearted, if you're cheap, if you're an unkind, if you're impatient, that's not good news because when you go and direct your prayers to God, and we do this, God, I need a blessing. God, I need help. I need a blessing today. Here's what God says. God says, oh, I love blessings. I'm in the blessing business. I, I, I'm going to bless you, and, and you prayed for a blessing, so I'm going to bless you. And th- this is just the way I see it happening. I think he calls for an angel, and he says, bring me Jerry's measure. Because I've got this big pool of blessings up here that I want to give some of it down there to him, and, and he's prayed for blessings, and so angel, go get Jerry's measure. And the angel comes back with an eyedropper. Because Jerry's cold-hearted, cheap, ungenerous. And the Lord says, well, I wish I could give you more, but according to the standard of measure, I'm going to, give it, I'm going to measure it right back to you. 
So he goes over to the pool of blessing, and, he, and, he, and, he, and what he wants to give his people are blessings. He uses the, my eyedropper, my standard of measure, and he fills it up, and he reaches over, and he says, here, here you go. And I feel a little something on my head. Is that a bird, or what was that? I don't know. No, that's your blessing. Oh, I, I need more than that. It's, it's up to you. It's up to you. It's not, it's not up to me. It's according to your standard of measure. That's how I measure it back to you. Now, let, let me remind you of this. Your life, your vessel, your body, you are a walking warehouse of seed. In other words, your, you, your actions, your deeds, your words, what you do, how you spend money, how you give to the Lord, how you help the poor, how you help the orphan, how you help a widow, all of those things, it's all seed. And this is a dynamic law that Jesus taught. Paul taught it also. And here's what it is. Our God is a good God and a generous God. But it's according, look at me, it's according to your measure, your standard of measure. You have a standard of measure. We have a standard of measure. So number one, obedience is measurable. Number two, obedience is exciting. The water pots, listen, these water pots were ceremonial washing pots okay so when you come into the temple that's what they're there they're religious tradition you, you've been in church where there's religious tradition that's what this represents tradition so people come by the pot they never even look at the pot they stick their fingers in it this is in that culture they stick their fingers in it and they go into a, a place of worship and to them they are ceremonially clean now because they did that they, they kind of wash their hands the washing pots represent dead religion so they have to empty that out. They go get fresh water, and, and, and Jesus gets involved. So these ceremonial religious washing pots, by the end of the week, they're party central. <laughs> yeah, like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I can just see, see people saying, man, where'd you get the large pot of wine? I mean, where'd you get those things? That's unreal. But, but, but you have to understand, because they obeyed, it changed everything. But, Pastor, I am a generous giver. Okay, well, let's look at it from the other way. I'm praying for a blessing. I'm a generous giver. I need a big blessing. The Lord says to the angel, hey, go bring me Jerry's measure. In a moment, the angel calls back and says, I need help. It's a big one. So here come four angels carrying this big box with my name on it. And the angel says, this is a big one. God says, this is awesome. It's exciting because I want to bless my kids. I want to bless my family. I want to bless my heirs. I want to bless my children. And, 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 and he, he will. He'll fill it up compared to what? I'm going, whatever my standard is, whatever he says to you, just do it. The servants filled it with water and then they take it to the master of the ceremony and, and they obeyed. And he says, this is incredible. You've got the best to the last. So the best takes the rest of the week and it's an exciting week. It, it's not, it, they didn't have to go home. They didn't have the cheap stuff. They had the best stuff and it's an exciting time. Understand that obedience will create excitement in your life. I know it doesn't sound that way, and I know it goes against our nature, but it's true. When we're obedient, it brings excitement because he can bless you, and when he blesses you, it affects your whole life. Third point, obedience is the key. The key to your heart's desire is obedience. This is Jesus' first miracle, first sign. It wasn't raising someone from the dead. It wasn't healing a leper. It wasn't opening a blind man's eyes. It was saving a family from embarrassment. That tells us so much about Jesus, uh, that he cares about every little thing going on in our life. He's going to save them from embarrassment. And understand, every miracle that he did, it benefited someone. 
But here's what the enemy tells us. He, the, the, the enemy will tell us, don't, don't pray for healing because that's really selfish. Don't, don't pray for blessings and prosperity because that's really selfish. Every miracle God does benefits someone, and that's why he does it. When he heals someone, it's a blessing. When he gives you a raise or promotion, it's a blessing. And the enemy says, don't pray for that because God doesn't care about those things. He, he's not concerned with that. And, 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 but you see, if, if you care about it, God cares about it. And every time we make commitments to tithe, every time we make commitments to give offerings, offerings are above tithe, tithe is 10% of your income that you bring, you don't give tithe, you bring the tithe to the storehouse, then offerings are above that. And the enemy tells you, you, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be giving like that because you, you need to hold some back for your heart's desire. You know the car you want, you know the school you want to send your kids to, you know all these things that you want. And the enemy says, I'm not sure God has those same desires for you, so you better take care of yourself. You need to hoard it and hold on to it and be tight because God doesn't care about those things but you see that's not true that's a lie because jesus said it this way i'm paraphrasing don't fear little flock it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom your father wants to bless you and he will bless you more than you'll bless yourself oh i thought i had to hold on to it to bless. no he will bless you more than you'll bless yourself the psalmist said in psalms 37 and 4 delight yourself also in the lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart the enemy will tell you these things you desire for your family that they're selfish that's not true. I want to send my kids to a good school and get a good education. That's not selfish. I want to live in a safe neighborhood. That's not selfish. I want to be blessed. I, I want to be able to bless others. That's not selfish. And I know there's a prosperity message out there that goes too far, but there's also a poverty message that doesn't go far enough. God will bless you more than you will bless yourself. And here's why. Two reasons. One, he has all the resources. He has all the resources. And number two, he loves you more than you love you. And some of you are thinking, I don't know how that could be. He gave his only son for you. He loves you that much. And when, when there comes a time where you say, Lord, I need to hear from you, I'm praying, I'm listening, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say to me? And, and, and I'll show you, the, I'll show you the, the side of this that sometimes people come back. Because over, over the 15-year history of this church, when we started the church, I, I've never gone in and, and raised funds. God is our source. We go in and we present the opportunity to build the kingdom of God. We're in a, in, in a campaign right now called Heart for the Kingdom. It's 12 months in this year. What are we doing with that? Well, we're, we're finishing up the, the facility at Malvas. We're taking a facility in Mobile. We, we added to our facility there for our youth and our offices. We're getting the Foley campus started. We've already started the Honduras campus. We're working on the, the, the China campus right now and leasing property there. And all of these things are going on. And, and so here, here's what you've heard me say. If you've been here very long, you've heard me say it over and over and over again. Pray and ask him what he would have you do. Ask him what he would have you do. And here's what I hear from people. But I, I don't know how to hear God. I, I don't know how, to, how I hear God on that. Well, let, let me tell you, God, there, there's three ways I think we sense what he's saying to us. We, we hear something in our spirit. Maybe you hear audibly, but I, I, think that's, I, I think that's the extreme and not the rule. I think you hear something in your spirit or you sense something of a vision of something or you feel something. So you may not be the person that hears something in your spirit, but you may sense something. So your wife may sense something, and you may hear something, and you put it together, it comes together. So what, what I'm saying is once you feel something, sense something, or feel it, then the next part is action where you step out in faith, and you do what he says to do. You don't make a deal with God. You're, it, it's not one of these deals, it's a fleece. God, you do this, then I'll give that. It's not, it doesn't work that way. 
That's, that's not the way it works. It's not a negotiation with him. It's obedience. The first miracle story, I, w- I want you to see this through spiritual eyes. She says they have no wine. Here's what he said back to her. Because if you don't see it through spiritual eyes, it sounds like he's being pretty rude or curt to his mother. And he says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? It's not my time. One commentary, one writer, he says it like this. This is what Jesus is actually saying to his mother. Okay, And we have a translation of that. But this is kind of the concept of what he's saying. He's saying to his mother, mother, they haven't recognized me yet for who I am. All the family and friends around they don't realize I'm the Messiah yet. They don't realize I'm the Son of God yet. They haven't recognized me for who I am. And secondly, they haven't invited me to help solve the problem. Mom, they haven't recognized me. They haven't invited me to do anything about this. But but he did. Why? Well, Mary's really part of the family. She asked, so he did. He honored his mother. He did. He took care of the problem. He says, they haven't recognized me for who I am. I'm the one who can do it. I'm the one who can fix any situation, but you've got to invite me in this situation. Here's what that looks like for today. I want you to see this. I want you to see this in your home. I want you to see this at your table, that you're there and you're looking at the bread and you're about to break and bless the bread. You're looking at your income and you realize your income is short and it's not enough and you're looking at it and Jesus is standing there at your table and he's waiting on you to acknowledge who he is and to invite him into the situation. He's waiting on you. When when you pay your bills, when you do your budget, he's standing there waiting on you to acknowledge who he is and ask him to get into the situation. Now, it, it, it makes all the sense in the world to me, but for some people it doesn't. Why in the world would you not want the son of the living God involved in your finances? Here's why, I think. It's because most people want to keep that separate. They want to isolate that, and they don't want God involved with that. But you see, he wants to be involved with that. He wants, here's why. Because he wants you to be obedient, and he's the only one who can fix it. He's the only one who can multiply it. Your, our system on the earth works through, multi, works through addition and subtraction. True multiplication is, is a spiritual, supernatural, spiritual thing that only God can do. Only God can do the supernatural. And he's the only one who can touch your finances and, your, and, and make things happen that you didn't even see that they could happen. And, and instead, we say, no, Lord, I don't, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I, I, and, and Jesus is at your table thinking, I, I, I can multiply it. I can make this work, but you, you need to be obedient. You need to invite me in. If they had not obeyed, the water would not have been turned into wine. They had to obey. So God is saying something. Here's what he's saying. <clears throat> your obedience is what opens the door for him to do miracles in your life. Miracles in relationship, miracles in marriage, miracles with your children, miracles with jobs, the right job, the right promotion. God wants to do miracles, but we have to pray and obey. We have to pray and ask him, and then what he tells us to do, we do. Because here's why. It's easy to have a need. We all have needs. Anybody have a need? <clears throat> we all have a need. It's easy, it, it's easy to say you have faith, and it's easy to say, oh, I believe. The real struggle for most of us is when it comes down to obeying God. 
when it comes down to acting out what he says. See, I'm, I'm trying to get you to see that this is not a man or a pastor thing, or this is not just the church thing to tithe, to give, and do all these things. It's a Jesus thing. And in most miracles that are recorded in the Scripture, when Jesus does this miracle, he typically asks someone to do something before the miracle actually happened. There's an action to the lame man. Rise, take up your bed, now walk. To, to the ten lepers, healed of leprosy, go show yourself to the priest to get, a, get the card that you, you can come back into society. Take an action. The man with the withered hand, <clears throat> stick your hand out. Stick it for, let, let everybody see your withered hand. Take an action. So it's not just the need that moves God. It's not just faith that moves God. It's not just confession that moves God. It's when we hear, we sense, we feel something God wants us to do that we take action and we do it because faith without action is dead. What I want you to see is this. I want you to see who he is and I want you to invite him into the situation. Because... Most of the struggles we have are with finances. And, and, and we teach on this a lot, and, we, and you, you can get material here where I've taught on it over and over and over again. You can get it. We, we, but, but I'm telling you, we are a giving church. We are a giving church. We practice what we preach. But what I want is not to just raise funds or raise money or this or that. What I want is I want you to put yourself in a position that God can do a miracle in your life. And whether it's the money or whether it's the marriage or whether it's the children or the health, it's whatever God needs to do. Let me, let me end with this. A lot of times when you, when you build a sermon, you prepare a sermon, you, know, you, you, you feel like you're doing the right thing. You hope this and this and this. And sometimes you get confirmation. I, I got a phone call from a guy in Afghanistan this weekend who's a friend. I've been his pastor, and he's been there for quite a while. He's working there. And so he, he calls, and... And, and he, uh, greetings, and then he starts telling me, I'm, he's, I'm starting to hear God. I said, great, great. God is saying this, and God's saying that. Then he started being specific. And God told me to do this and this and this. And I, I'm just, I'm calling you, I'm, I want to know, am I weird? Is this strange or whatever? I said, no, you're just a slow learner. You know, just <laughs> taking you a long time to get there. But I've been trying to tell you this for years. And so, the, the, so it's exactly what I'm talking about. And so here's what I, I got to share with him just a little bit about, you know, well, yeah, you, obedience, obedience, obedience. So I, I kind of give him that little snippet of this, and it's got confirmation. And then here's what he says. Because he didn't tell me this up front. He said, every one of those things he told me to do, I did every one of them. I'd stop tithing. He, he, he called me out on it. I, I got online and started tithing. I was looking for a promotion, and I was worried and stressed out, and I kept going back to my computer, and he said, shut your computer, I'll tell you when to open it. Because I'm working in the hearts of the people who are giving you the promotion and working on the money and the details. So a couple days later, the Lord said, now open your computer. He opened the computer, there's a promotion, there's the amount of money, everything. So all of these things, he, he's already doing them. What's he doing? He's obeying. He's obeying. It was such confirmation. L- listen, here's what I want you to know. That Jesus is standing in your circumstance. And he, he wants you to talk to him. And he wants to talk back. But when he talks back, he wants you to obey what he says to do.
That's where we miss it a lot of times. And listen, when we fail to obey what he's telling us to do, we go to him, we need help, we need this, we need that, and he says, do this and do this, and we think, well, that doesn't pertain to this, but I'm not going to do that, and you ignore it. Eventually, you don't hear him anymore because you're not obeying. You, you've done it in the natural with your kids. Some things, you, you know, you go along in the natural, you tell them over, and you just find, they're not listening to me, I'm just not going to tell them anymore. Or either you go to the extreme, you lose your cool, you take a belt, beat the fire out of them. I don't, I don't know which way you go, but <clears throat> we go one extreme or the other. Well, if, if he's telling you things and he's wanting to do a miracle, but you won't obey, it's kind of like his hands are tied. So what's the key to this? The key is the desires of your heart, he knows. And the desires of your heart, he wants to fulfill. He wants to bless you. He wants to, he wants to reach all of these places. But you're going to have, you have to go back to the very beginning. You have to go back to the very beginning. You have to obey. And I know this goes against our nature and our grain of who we are because of the nature of man, of the fallen nature of man. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you from the words of Mary, his mother, who knew him better than anybody on the earth, hey, just whatever he tells you, do it. Whatever he tells you, do it. He's waiting to do a miracle in your life. He's waiting. He's waiting on you. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for being generous and giving your son. Lord, help us. Help us to learn to call out to you, to ask you, but to hear you, and then simply do what you say. Let us pull away from this story that you want to be recognized for who you are. You're our Savior. You're our Lord. You're our Redeemer. You're Jesus. And you want to be involved in this situation. So, Lord, let our people understand this and recognize and honor who you are and invite you into the situation in their lives, in their homes, in their jobs. And to do all of this and to see it happen, we simply need to obey. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for being a God of blessing and mercy. And may we receive them fully in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. Amen. God bless you.